Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of the James Red Podcast. I'm here with my friend Sam Rates today. How are you, Sam? I'm good, James. Thank you for uh, bringing me back on the podcast. Yes, this is the second time, and the first time was so interesting. We spoke about your, uh, I think, many of your projects, but the one that was the most prominent, if I remember correctly, was regarding some wild land firefighters yeah. in yeah. Utah. Yeah. Up in yeah, my neck Ulta, of the woods. Yeah, the Ulta Hotshots. Yes. They are, and they are, uh, I checked in with those guys recently, actually, and they are, they're full guns blazing around the country working around the clock right now, so. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, but, but they're, wanna, they're, they're, they're doing well. Well, you got to hook me up with them, because I'd love to follow them around, too. Yeah. I, sh- I know that there was some, maybe, like, some paperwork and some back-end stuff yeah. to make sure you yeah. didn't catch on fire. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of red tape, and, uh. They'll kick your butt too, hiking around. So be careful what you wish for with those guys. Yeah, I remember you saying that. <laughs> so w- one of the things I love so much about you, Sam, is that you have a very photojournalistic lean to your work, and I get really excited to talk about that. Uh, today, I want to talk about a specific project with you um, that you that you just got back from working on in France, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you can, in your best French accent, <laughs> pronounce what the name of this is. I know it has to do with the Tour de France, but it has a more yeah. specific name, right? Yeah, absolutely. So the the gallery on my website is titled Mayo Jean 2019. Okay. And what that basically just means is that's just kind of the, uh, the English translation would be yellow jersey. And the yellow jersey is worn by the... Uh, man who is leading the general general classification and basically in layman's terms what that means is the Tour de France is a 21 stage race and whoever has the best overall time after adding up their times of all the stages is the one who wears the yellow jersey that day and whoever is the person wearing the yellow jersey after stage 21 is the winner of the Tour de France so that's kind of where I got the the name from Okay. Have you ever photographed a cycling race before? I'm sorry, say that again? I said, have you ever photographed a cycling race before? Uh-huh. So I got that question a lot when I was in Europe, and this was my first cycling project of any kind. And uh, it was it was kind of I was, I was drinking water from a fire hose there for a little bit. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, no, that's, I'm that's how any good it. photography project should feel. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, this is my first, so. Cool, cool. All right, so we're on your website. Uh, I believe you can see my screen. If you have any technical difficulties, let me know. Um, but uh, we're, we're hanging out uh, within this project, and I want to talk about the first photo starting off, and we can just kind of move down the page. Yeah. So this first one, you're shooting into the sun. We have a whole bundle of cyclists with, the, I think, the Arc de Triomphe behind it, believe. You got it. Yeah, okay. that's it. And it looks absolutely dreamy and fantastic very warm you have them framed in an interesting way filling up the bottom third of the frame uh you can just see their helmets and their silhouettes and this is this to me seems like it would be a rather tricky shot to accomplish technically speaking uh now you were mentioning beforehand that there was a little bit of just shooting with all of your might and hoping for the best was this one of those situations or was this well planned it abs it, uh, it was a little bit of planned, uh, but it absolutely was me me just taking getting the the high burst going and just rapid fire shooting. But uh, this this photo, um, I kind of feel like from my my perspective is a lot different from a 
kind of stylistic standpoint than a lot of my photos because mm. it's pretty it's got warm it's very warm tones and i feel like a lot of my stuff isn't generally like that but um so this was actually on the final 21st stage it's always in paris and this was towards like the very end of the last stage so this was kind of this was basically like one of the last shots i took of the tour um and the last stage this year started quite a bit later than what it typically starts because it was the hundredth anniversary of the yellow Jersey this year. And they, they had kind of a, a big show right after the tour de France with like uh, lights. You got RPG. to be there for a pretty monumental race then. Yeah. Yeah. It was cool. It was really cool. So and it, it, it worked good with, for the photographers too. Cause I mean, the lighting was tough to like, the lighting was amazing at the very end. And, mm. and what's nice too, what, what I kind of figured out the hard way through the first 20 stages of the tour de France was that I go somewhere and when they, when they come, I, I get one shot. And if I, if the lighting or my angle or setup or backdrop or camera settings or the cyclist is picking his nose or grabbing, taking a drink out of his water bottle, I don't, I don't get a do over. And that's, that day is kind of more or less lost, mm. which I mean, that was, that was, something coming from a, a commercial heavy background. That was something I wasn't necessarily used to. Cause if I, if I don't get what I like, it's like, Oh, can you do this? Can you do this? Like, yeah, let's yeah. just kind of run it back. And I, I can't, Hey guys, can, can we, <laughs> we tried, you guys just come back a little bit. There was nothing. <laughs> yeah. Can you guys go well, back up the road right, and come right, on by right. again? Right. But what, what, what was nice about the last stage in Paris was they go, they do basically this big, I want to say two mile loop around the Arctic triumph and back. And they do that, I believe it was eight times. So I had actually initially set up a much closer to the Arc de Triumph to kind of get them going by. And we'll, we'll get to that photo later down the line. But this photo was actually me coming back towards the finish. And this just kind of, I was just kind of sitting there waiting for them to, because I, I was shooting this way and they would come around, basically you turn behind me and the, the finish was right on my right from this photo. Okay. So, as they were coming close to me, it was like, holy cow, like, this is a really good shot. Like, why, why is my camera on my hip? Why, why aren't I shooting right now? And it, it just kind of worked out perfectly. And I, and I had, when I, with the sun this bright behind the Arctic Triumph, it seemed like getting a silhouette type shot was kind of a no brainer here. So that's what I opted for. I love all the, the architecture and the geometry flying yeah. around behind the cyclist. And it's an interesting contrast, the, the squariness of all the, the things behind them is an interesting contrast to the, the roundness of their helmets and the, yeah, the, sure. the organic nature of them riding their bikes. For sure. Yeah. And I was, I think this was the last stage was about the closest I got to being a fly on one of these guys' helmets and getting smacked by cyclists. So I got, I think I got, when I took this photo about a half a second later, I got yelled at by all these guys in about eight different languages so yeah this this one it was a cool shot but it was one of those where it was like okay that's a one-time thing i either did it or did or i didn't because i don't want to do that again so so that brings up an interesting point how how important is sort of getting in the midst of the action to your own potential detriment to you uh this this is actually kind of a good question as to why i wanted to or partially why i wanted to shoot the tour in the first place was because in my eyes, cyclists in Europe are kind of like, it's kind of like the wild west of the United States a little bit. Like these guys are like, 
they're all in like it's not it's not just their job it's their lifestyle and they're they're 100 committed and in cycling it kind of feels like uh, compared to american sports like there's like really no rules with like fans or there's there's a lot of unwritten rules between the cyclists but as far as like fans or photographers or like the cyclists between them like there's really not that many rules and stuff so like fascinating you can get close like you can get close close so it's almost it's almost as if like the spectators and the media and the photographers like are almost they're almost a part of the race in a way which is it doesn't make sense to a lot of american listeners until like they go to a cycling event or something like that because it's it's wildly different than like like you can't you can't take photos of a baseball game or a football game while standing in the middle of the field and with cycling you can kind of do that so wow that's interesting it's an amazing level of access yeah for sure and um um so like flat stages like this where it's close to the end of the the stage you you have the sprint teams in front and so they're i mean these guys are going on flat ground they're going 40 plus miles an hour so Mm -hmm. you need to get in and get out whereas if it was a mountain stage in the pyrenees or alps people are a lot more spread out there's a like there's a lot bigger time gaps between different groups of people so and they're going a lot slower so i i I have a lot more time i can kind of it's a lot easier to get where i want whereas this like i i just had to be super quick with this one i love the minimalistic quality to the photo where you've cut out so much detail since everything is silhouetted and you have this this brilliant orange light saturating the entire experience it's mm-hmm. it's nice because it takes the emphasis off of a particular person as you, we see in the second photo here which we'll get to in a second and it puts it on the event and the essence of the event and the feeling of being there as a whole yeah and that's that's one thing I've kind of tried to focus on with my photo assignments, especially once it gets to kind of the 11th hour like this. And especially when it's really my only, like I felt in this particular shot, that was really my only option or maybe the only best option. Um, Cause I feel like a lot of my work is kind of very, like very detailed or portrait or like, like really kind of clear and sharp. And I want I think it's nice to have a balance of the opposite end of that spectrum a little bit. So I've, I've been kind of sort of trying to work that into more and more of my photography. Fantastic. Uh, what was your, what was your F stop? If you remember. Ooh. Uh, looks like maybe F like 17 or it was oh, like really? 20, 20. I don't, I, I think, or no, it probably wasn't that high. It was probably like maybe 10 I don't yeah, know I could maybe go back like and... nine I was I was looking yeah, at the, yeah, yeah. the little the little sun flare balls on the bottom yeah I think I started at I think I started super high and then I was like yeah that's a little overkill and I, I think it was I think yeah I think it was like right around maybe cool. 10. I do wonder what would have happened if you would have went all the way up to f22 like mm-hmm. have these like cra- this crazy yeah. star coming out from behind there yeah heads. yeah I think the only trouble with that would have been I, I like on the the kind of the the far left so the peloton is the name of the the group of cyclists and on the far the way i'm facing the far left i don't know if i would have got their helmets or those guys and i and i like in this photo how it looks like a giant herd of kind of angry cyclists right exactly and i don't know if i would have necessarily been able to capture that with that high of an f-stop so peloton um, i 
for I feel like they would have swords with a name like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they yeah, have you was, ever seen uh, Lord of the Rings? I have, yeah. So there's that wonderful scene in Lord of the Rings where Gandalf comes over the hill with the army behind him, goes mm-hmm, down, storms yeah. <laughs> into Helm's Deep with the sun behind them. That's that's basically what I'm assuming happened here. It 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 felt like that. And when these guys go by so the Arctic Triumph, right? I don't know if you've been to it before, but right there, it's all cobblestone. So when they're going on that, it feels like an earthquake. So it kind of felt, it kind of felt what I imagine what you're talking about kind of felt, would have felt like as well. So it was a, what's the sound of this? Is it, is it rather thunderous? It is, it is unlike anything. Cause like, like I said, how, how fast they're going, like there's, there's in a 10 second window, there's like three very, very distinct, different, but like almost bucket list kinds of sounds. You have like, like where they were far enough away was the, like the crowd was going insane yeah. because there was a, a Colombian who, who actually won the yellow Jersey and the, the yellow Jersey is kind of a, a foregone conclusion. Who's going to win the overall tour de France is kind of a foregone conclusion going into the last stage. The last stage from that, from that standpoint is kind of like, it's just like a ceremony for them mm. sort of, but the, uh, the sprint teams who are going for what's the stage win and cycling's it's, you could do a whole nother podcast on that. Cause it's kind of confusing, like the actual sport itself, but there there's throughout each stage and throughout each tour de France, there's a hundred different battles going on and people trying to win different things at different points throughout a day or an entire race. But, um, so this, like, these are all the sprint teams up here. And before, they were, they were maybe like five seconds away from right here, and all I could really hear was the crowd. And then about two seconds closer was kind of the pounding of the cobbles, and I, I could feel it on my own feet as well. And then maybe like a second and a half after that was just – it would be like standing on the Autobahn or the interstate and just listening to cars just pass you yeah. like, that are all like this close apart and like five wide and what that would sound like. And that, and then, and then as soon as they were gone, just like that, it was then back to the crowd. So it's, it was really, really cool. amazing considering they don't have engines. It's just a bunch of people with their legs pedaling a machine. It's, I think cyclists are between the mental aspect, the cardio aspect, the raw power, some of the guys have and the teamwork required. I think I think they're, de- I don't think they're, they're definitely in the conversation for most impressive group of athletes in the world. In my oh, opinion, after oh, going sure. to Tour de France, like these, these guys were, they were crazy. And I, I had a ton of respect for them. I've seen their legs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, let's, uh, let's carry on to the next photo. So this next photo yeah. is actually a complete opposite of the, the previous one. Mm-hmm. In a lot of ways, we have a very tight close up shot which is what mm-hmm. tight means. So, uh, so those are redundant. We, uh, we have a shot of a guy with some things in his nose. I assume blocking mm-hmm. blood or something from coming out of his nose. He has a, an X shaped bandage on his eye. He looks exhausted and sweaty. He has an air pod in one of his ears. He has a blue mm-hmm. hat on. Um, you see sweat beginning to drip from his mm-hmm. chin. He, he looks like he just came back from battle, so to speak. Yeah. And uh, very very shallow depth of field. He, immediately behind his head uh, goes out of focus. Mm-hmm. And so we have this very intimate feeling shot. And one of the things I've, 
since we we first spoke and since I first studied your work, one of the things I really love so much about you is your ability to capture a dynamic uh, plethora of angles and close, medium, wide. That's hard to do. It's easy, it's easy to take a lot of the same type of shot. But you, I mean, these, just these first two photos demonstrate sort of the diversity of, of your ability to take photos. So um, I'm curious what was going on here and yeah. uh, and what kind of puts you in the position to take this photo the way that you did? So, yeah, I appreciate you saying all that. Um, of course. And it's kind of, and from a timing standpoint as well, the, the first one was the very last stage. This one was actually taken during just before the second stage was about to start. So the, I guess I'll, I'll give a little background to this photo and you mentioned the blue cap. So I started, I came up with the idea in probably December of last year that I wanted to shoot the Tour de France. And so I thought, okay, how, how do I make that happen? And, um, I, I, I did quite a bit of LinkedIn stalking and, checking out all the websites of all the various teams and individuals and that kind of stuff. And I, I, I basically left no stone unturned and I reached out to just about everyone I could. And this team was the only team that I heard back and they're, they're pro team Astana and they are, and that's who this gentleman rides for. They're based out of Kazakhstan is where their sponsors and everything is from, but they, mm. they have riders from around the world. And this gentleman, his name is Jakob, Fuglesang and he's from Denmark and he so he was actually one of the yellow jersey favorites going into the Tour de France like he he's had a, a amazing year or season of cycling and he he's always been kind of considered one of one of the top uh general classification contenders and a lot of people were thinking okay this he's, he's having a great year he he's won a bunch of races leading up to this like we we believe it's his year and during the stage before this, the first stage, he actually had a really nasty crash, and um, that's how he got the cut right above right above his eye there. And he actually had to get a couple stitches there. He tore up his shoulder. He he had bandages up and down one of his arms and one of his legs. So he he had a pretty uh, tough intro stage for the Tour de France. But he he was one of the tougher guys that I've ever met, which kind of as why I wanted to do the Tour de France and why it was I thought I wanted to do the Tour de France was these guys are sort of like the 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 cowboys or the hot shots of Europe. Um, and so this photo right here, so that so yeah, that's who I was shooting for, and that that's how I was able to kind of get this kind of access where I could. This was before the race, and there is like an area um, sectioned off where only the riders and staff of a team can go. And he was on a stationary bike actually getting ready for the team time trial. So each Tour de France, there's always a team time trial, which comprises of um, each team and all of the riders ride together. And then there's an individual time trial, which was later in the race. And he, um, or each person obviously rides alone in that one. But he was, he was on a stationary bike on this one, had his music going. Um, there was a ton of press and fans surrounding the kind of um sectioned off area because they wanted to see oh is because i mean he's a he's a big name in cycling and people wanted to see around the world 
is he going to be okay? How's he going to do today? Is he still in world, like, is he still able to complete, compete at a world-class level? And he answered all those questions, yes, throughout, throughout the, the rest of the Tour de France. Um, he, so and what's in his nose right there? Before the uh, time trials, what the guys do is they'll, I'm not, it's some kind of like liquid eucalyptus that they put on the cotton swabs and all the teams do this. And then they put, put them in their nose and for like, I don't know, maybe 15 to 30 minutes. And while, while they're kind of getting warmed up that it helps, I think their lungs kind of maximize the amount of oxygen that they can take in at any given time throughout like the race. So that's yeah. like in the time trials, a lot of the state, like the, the normal stages are anywhere from like 140 to 200 miles. Whereas the time trials, like these days, they're only going, gosh, I don't know, maybe like 20 to 40 miles. And it is, it is full gas the entire time. It's pedal to the metal. And like they're, they 1% more oxygen over that amount of time makes a world of difference to these guys. So these guys, like they are, they're doing whether it's what they're wearing or their diet or what they had for breakfast, like they, everything's calculated and they're doing anything they can just to get that little bit of edge, just to go that much longer, that much faster. So that's a part of the reason why they use the, the eucalyptus. But, um, and I don't know if you can see the, uh, the yellow kind of flare on his shoulder there, but, mm-hmm. um, this, it, I think it kind of turned out nice in this photo, but it was actually kind of, um, an obstacle for me throughout the tour. Cause there was a lot of people hanging out underneath uh, their awning and their awning was yellow. So a lot of these pictures had a super intense yellow kind of tinge to them. And a lot of times I really didn't care for it. Cause it, I didn't think it looked the best. So I, it was a lot of kind of post-production stuff to take that out, but I, I kind of liked how it looked on his shoulder there. So I decided to keep it in. Interesting. Okay. So one of the things that you really can struggle with in a high speed situation like this is uh, some sort of yellow tint or some sort something in the background that you that is not welcomed and a lot of the fun for me of photography is figuring out how to get those things out <laughs> or work them in in a way that's pleasing mm-hmm. and i think people who aren't photographers maybe don't get what this what this looks like when you're in that moment of of you're putting all of your brain's energy towards getting rid of like one obstacle <laughs> in your right. way. And then you're trying to, uh, well, let's say 80% of your energy in a moment to getting rid of this one thing that's really bothering you. And then the other 20% is just trying to figure out how to make everything come together just perfectly. And you're always looking for serendipity and there's no perfect photo. Uh, it's just, you kind of do better and then you do worse and then you do a little bit better and then you do really good. Then you really nail one and then you do a lot worse and then you take a lot more worse photos uh, For sure. and, then, and then you take more worse photos and then you, and then it's just, you know, bursts hundreds and hundreds of photos that don't work. <laughs> and then you finally get one that's completely beautiful. And you, so it takes you, this stamina and, and endurance. Yeah. And that. In those few sentences right there, you basically summed up like my four weeks of shooting the Tour de France. So yeah, <laughs> for sure. That's uh, I I can definitely empathize with that. What you're saying. You mentioned um, you you took around forty thousand photos. Yeah, it was. Uh, I don't know the exact number, but it was somewhere 
upper 30s to low 50s, something like that. And How then, many winners you, did you get out of that? Um, so I guess it depends on what your definition of winners is, but I took in my head what what I want to show to the rest of the world, and that includes what I gave to the team I shot for, maybe 250. And then from there, like ones that's like, okay, this is a home run shot, or this is, I feel like this needs to be included in my gallery because it tells something or shows something in a way that none of the other photos I took told. And I want this piece to be told basically like 40 to 50 photos or ones that it's like, I really, really like that photo today. And I, I know that I'll, I'll be proud of that photo 30, 40 years from now. So I'd say, I would say somewhere between 40 to 50, but that's, that's by the kind of the most extreme definition of what I thought was a good photo. So if we, if we go with the liberal amount, you gave me 250, uh, I'm doing a percentage calculator online (laughs) and it is 0.63% of 40,000. Yeah, that's so, what that's you returned me. with. I'm, I hear that number, and in my head, it's like, oh, that was, that was that's a pretty, pretty good, good uh, France. Yeah, <laughs> at least I got so. one, right? <laughs> yeah, but, no, but uh, I think I, the reason I bring that up is to uh, emphasize the in, the mental endurance, endurance and stamina that you have to undertake, similar to these guys, but in a different way. Obviously, it's not for sure. it's so physical yeah. um, and not so painful. But but <laughs> I I think if you forget that, it's easy to bail. On or not take on challenges, if you remember that it's going to be difficult, and that's the that's actually the point of growing yourself and uh, creating photos that you are meaningful and that you're proud of. That that you should expect for it to take time, right. for it to be a little bit mentally strenuous and painful. Then I think that will serve us all well. For sure, a lot of the projects I take on, it's like sometimes when I'm like when I'm doing the the legwork to actually get the green light to do them. A lot of times I think to myself like man, this is a lot of, there's a lot more work than like maybe like a, what I should be doing or maybe sure. what it's worth, but, Feels disproportionate. but, 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 but yeah, but ultimately a lot of the stuff I want to shoot, like, like the tour of France, like a lot of people want to shoot it, but to go actually shoot it is, I don't know. There's a, there's, there's a lot of things to get the cool projects like this. So if you want to shoot the cool stuff, then you have to do the work that kind of comes with it. So that's another thing I appreciate about you is your ability to, it seems like you use your passion to drive you to get the logistical stuff worked out so that you can go and shoot these incredible things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then that's one of the benefits of being self-employed is growing up. I, my dad, we, we watched like, I, I was one of the biggest Lance Armstrong fans ever. And that's why I kind of how I got the idea to shoot this. And it's like, okay, I'm self-employed. I want to go shoot the Tour de France or I want to go shoot hot shots, like go make it happen. And so kind of the, it's not even a negative side, but like the, the other side of that is there's going to be kind of a lot of work or there's kind of be a lot of bureaucracy or cold calling or, or emailing and not hearing back from a lot of people and hopefully just getting that one person to make it happen to do that stuff. So um, yeah, for sure. There's definitely some, obstacles I have to go through to get this kind of stuff done, but that's what I signed up for. And when it's all said and done, I I'm super proud. Like that's the main thing is I've met people from all over the place that are incredibly gifted and kind and interesting. And 
I get to shoot the, the things I want to shoot. So I can't, I can't ever complain about the, the work leading up to it. From your perspective, what drives you to get through all of that? Um, all the, the logistical mush. Um, I've always kind of said that I like photographing subjects that I think I would like to be in another lifetime. So whether that's mariachi band or, or hot shots or kind of cowboys or, or cyclists or a handful of other things that I've done, or I'm currently in the works of doing, I, I, I really admire them or I, I think they're super cool people or really interesting. And I'd like to know a little bit about them or like, like I said, like maybe another lifetime, like try to be them or something. And so that's a piece of it. And then ultimately it's like, like some of these projects I've gotten to do, like, like the tour of France, like I like to just go back and look at these and like, wow, that was pretty, like, that's cool. Those are cool pictures. They're, they're, they, they mean something to people on the other side of the lens. I get to go back and look at them. It's like, wow, I did something that I'm proud to put my name on and be associated with. And yeah, I think I, I try not to overthink the why I do it other than like, I like the people and I like what I'm doing and I'm having fun. And that's the, the, it's always, it's always, always, always worth it in the end when I'm doing these projects, even if it doesn't feel like it before the project, or even if it doesn't feel like it during, like if there's, there's times where on the tour, like where I was maybe sick or like, I didn't get any good photos that day, or I didn't get any photos I liked at the time and where it's like, okay, should I, like kind of like tiny small amounts of doubt would be creeping in. Like, should I have done this or like, was this worth my time? And then when I go back and look at the photos, it's always a hundred percent. Yes. I'm glad I did it. And it was a good thing to do both for my personal growth for the people I met. And I think for my career too. So I, I have, I'm ever, there's never been a project I've taken on where it's like, I wish I, I wouldn't have done that. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. so as long as, as long as it's still being worth it, in the end and I get to keep being around the the companies or the the people that I'm lucky enough to photograph then I'll keep putting in the the work on the others on the kind of beginning side of it for sure well that's interesting what you said there it seems like your passion and fascination for people is what drives you to um, take on the the logistical side of things now what what uh how do you how do you deal with that doubt when it does creep in? Because our minds can so easily sabotage us. Mm. I think like oh, I mean, this picture is a perfect example. Like it's like oh, and that's what I we kind of talked a little bit before we started. But on the days where I thought it was quote unquote hard or difficult, it's like this is a this is what I signed up for. B. So far, on a kind of overall like perspective the projects turned out well and see these cyclists whatever whatever i think i'm struggling with or whatever like 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 mental roadblock i'm going through in that moment it's like these guys are putting literally their lives on the line and they're they're cycling 100 to 200 or however many miles a day and they're doing the same stuff they're traveling the same amount they're they're eating the same food like they're doing everything i'm doing and more so just you need to suck it up you know what i mean Mm. like i i this has definitely been from a like a kind of a mental standpoint probably the most difficult project i've ever worked on and this was the kind of the first time it was like where it was like it was tough at times for sure and it was 
I'm, I couldn't be more proud and more happy and thankful that I did it now than even, and set, set aside the cool photos, but like the, the mental growth and the mental toughness and that kind of stuff. I, I definitely grew from this project. So, so basically my way, and this, I guess this has kind of always been my way in life, but like if I'm going through something that is tough from a mental standpoint or emotional standpoint, it's just like, suck it up. It could be a lot worse than other people likely do or not likely do, but absolutely most definitely do have it tougher. So like figure out a way to get over this kind of thing. Well, you've created an interesting advantage for yourself by hanging out with firefighters and hunters and people who get on bikes and (laughs) ride until their, their legs are noodles. Uh, It makes it, it makes it hard for you to complain. I think, I think in our society, we try to push against comparison and negativity, quote unquote, but there is a place for healthy comparison, I believe. Uh-huh. And this is, yeah. a great, this is a great example of looking at other people, not that you want to be them, but you look at them and you say, what, what does this person have that I'm fascinated by and that I would like mm-hmm. to incorporate into my own personality? And the, that social pressure is actually a really, really powerful and useful thing. Uh, I think we're fighting our minds most of the time to do, to push ourselves to a new place. And it's a wonderful life hack to get around a guy with a, with stitches in his face who's, who just finished a race. He's hurting, but he's going to go back and do another race. Or, you know, these people who, you know, maybe they're a a skateboarder and they just broke their ankle, but they're going to get back up and go skate again. Mm -hmm. Uh, That sort of thing is is something that I I always certainly love to put myself around more to make myself more mentally tough. Yeah, for sure. And um yeah, I learned I learned a lot from them and I think that's another thing too is I anytime I I feel like anytime I'm I've photographed someone, they are always with like objectively better at something than I am. <laughs> and and so I can every time I walk away from a photo assignment, I, I learn or I, I learn, okay, this is maybe something I could deal with another way, or this is maybe how do I approach a uh, obstacle or that kind of thing. So I, I walk away with something like that, or, or it gives me perspective or it humbles me in some way. So, um, yeah. And the, the Tour de France was kind of the, the pinnacle of that so far in my career. So I've always loved watching documentaries. And one of the things that I've always taken away um, in the most powerful sense is when I see people who have hurt themselves, like like something, you know, uh, like Deadliest Catch, even right? TV, <laughs> a, a wonderful documentary series. Um, Which the, I've been uh, I've been looking for a photo assignment similar to that. So if you know anybody, you can send oh, them my way. Oh, please, we can talk about that <laughs> one. That would be exciting. Uh, yeah, that I'm sure that would be a lot of fun. But the you know, these guys, like I watched an episode the other day where this guy accidentally stabbed himself in the abdomen with a knife because he was doing some sort of job that he had to do on the deck. And, you know, they just they just patch it up, throw a little bit of seawater in there and move along. Uh, yeah. And the ability to maintain a good attitude in the midst of actual physical pain is something that I'm absolutely terrible at. So I've always been fascinated. I think we're we're similar in this sense that you, and you put it a, a new way that I've never thought about somebody who I would like to be in like an alternate life 
Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife has her version of that. She has actually two versions. One, she would love to be a cowboy. <laughs> and two, she would have uh, loved to go into the Coast Guard. Uh, she's always been fascinated by them, which I think is so interesting. But um, but these people who are able to let their passion uh, drive them through whatever pain they're dealing with and, and still you know joke around in the middle of what's... I mean, that's that's a powerful, deep... Uh, virtue to go after and I think that that's one of the things that I appreciate about what you're trying to capture in your photos is you're trying to capture character Um, and I I, I think you accomplished that quite well so well done yeah thank you and uh, I'll say one more thing on this photo sure Um, I so going into every project I always have like a handful of images compiled in my head where okay I want something like this photo where I've, I've already made the photo in my head and now it's just, okay, now I, I need to find a physical subject or something that sort of fits that. And I feel, I feel like going into it, I wanted a, a really close up photo like this of someone sweating profusely and, mm. and, um, yeah. So I, I guess I, I kind of, I didn't know when it was going to happen, but I had a feeling an image very similar to this one was going to take place at some point throughout the Tour de France, and I was kind of lucky that it happened on day two. Well, good work, sir. It's very beautiful. And the color <laughs> palette I like as well. It's got the, you know, the skin tones are this yellowish warm quality, mm-hmm. and yeah. you have that against the blue, the teal blue of his hat and his outfit, and I think it works mm-hmm. really well. So what um, I think it's, it's wonderful how you pair aesthetic beauty with uh, story. Thank you. And I think that's how you get people into into something. Yeah. This guy, he uh watch out for him in 2020 in Japan Olympics too cuz Oh, the guy in this he, portrait in the, yeah. the with the blue hat? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'll keep my eyes out for him. <laughs> I'll look I'll look for uh I'll look for that AirPod. <laughs> All right. So uh so let's uh we'll go past this one. Let's do this uh black and white one. You have this yeah. guy who looks like he has just achieved some sort of great victory. Mm-hmm. He is tucking his hands in. His mouth is wide open. You have everybody behind him. It's a rather, uh, you're, you're quite far away from him, and there's a lot going on in the background, but you've still, be, you've, uh, you've still been able to establish a hierarchy in the photo where he is clearly the subject and everybody else around him is kind of secondary, which is what mm-hmm. you tend to want in a photo like this. Uh, right. there's, there's a crowd going down either side, uh, on, on either side, tons of people, trees in the background in a row. Uh, and then we have all these other cyclists very close to him, but very quickly, I think what makes this hierarchy work from a technical standpoint is that you have, for one, you have somebody wearing white against, uh, mm-hmm. a background that is rather dark in a lot of like, you mm-hmm. know, he's got the trees behind him, which is dark. There's white things coming out of him in different directions, but that's okay. He still sets himself apart. And I think the other strong force that sets him apart as a subject is this just raging, fiery expression on his face mm-hmm. and in his body as he has just reached victory, I assume. Or or either he's celebrating and he lost, but that wouldn't make any <laughs> sense. So what's so, going on here, Sam? Yeah, yeah. So... So I'll kind of just touch base on cycling a little bit. So the yellow jersey, like I said, is overall time classification leader. So the person that wins the yellow jersey, they have to be good on the flat stages. They have to be good on the mountains. They have to be good in time trials. Uh, they're kind of like 
the they they can do everything. But a lot of times they're not they're not going to be the guys who are winning a day stage. And to win a day stage, winning the old jersey is like the end all be all. But to win day stages is a very very big accomplishment in itself. And on these flat stages, oftentimes uh, the sprinters are going to be kind of positioning and jockeying themselves in the last, I don't know, couple, like 10 kilometers. And so this guy right here, his name's Caleb Ewan. He is from New Zealand. And I believe he's from New Zealand, Australia or New Zealand, but I think it's New Zealand. Um, he is, so these sprinters, they're going to look a lot different than the general classification guys. The the GC guys are like, like anywhere from 5'10 to 6'3", and they're like 120 pounds soaking wet. Like these guys are hmm. thin. And the, whereas the sprinters, these guys are a little bit more, they look like kind of NFL running by, backs where they they can push that bike 60 miles an hour in, on a flat ground and then short bursts. So this is actually also taken in Paris on the last stage. And he had won two stages before this. And he he was kind of right in contention. And his team did a good job leading him out, which means they're basically riding in front of him hard to push the pace. And they're also, when they ride in front of him, then he, he can sit right by, behind on their wheel. And he, he works about, at least he works 50% less whereas if he was riding alone and having to cut the wind himself so he he kind of slingshot himself off his teammate's wheel and then this guy behind him that says dylan on his helmet i don't know if you can see him mm-hmm, i can the, see it on the right sorry. yep yep dylan grunewagen he's from netherlands these two guys are they're basically like number one and number two of the best sprinters in the world and he just edged him out to take his third stage victory uh, oh, wow. and this was, and th- yeah, and this was actually his first tour to France too. So this was, this was a, like a really, really kind of like the, uh, the cherry on top for him having an amazing tour to France. And he actually, so Caleb Ewan actually didn't win a stage until like, gosh, it was like 10 or 11. So he banged them all out in the last half of the tour de France. And it was, it was cool to see that too. Cause there was a lot of people once it started and he like these sprinters during the sprint stages, it's the same it's the same two to five guys who are competing against each other at the end. Cause they're, they're just head and shoulders, better sprinters than everyone else. And he had, he had be, he had lost a handful of early sprints. So there was a lot of people in the press and media, like, like wondering like, okay, Caleb, are you going to win a stage? Like he had a lot of expectations. So there was a lot of doubts. And then finally he just started rattling them off. And then he, he kind of put his stamp on the, on the race to win the last one too. So it was cool to see that win for him. I think it's fascinating how you capture the expression of the other guy as well. So you, uh-huh. got, you got these two opposing expressions of this guy who's who's just won and this other guy who's been really wrestling to win and he just kind of beat him out. That's amazing. Um, so so what what were some of the challenges you faced with this? I noticed you you made it black and white. Uh, what mm-hmm. was the reasoning for making it black and white? Um, I think I don't. And you could. I mean, I, I guess everyone has their opinion. But to me, it seemed a little bit more. I like black and white photos that are a little bit more like I like emotion and symmetry in black and white photos. And mm-hmm. this one had both. And, um, uh, I didn't really care for the color in it that much either. So that, I mean, that's kind of another reason to, to make it to go that route. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. It just, it seemed like a black and white photo to me. That's what I was thinking. It looks like a very busy frame. So it probably helped a yeah. lot to convert yeah. it over. Yeah. yeah it, I, I think, this is once again a rather like technical photo. It could have easily gone very wrong. 
I'm sure mm-hmm. you had frames on either side of this that weren't so right. <laughs> and then, and then this one was, yeah. was, you know, uh, how far away for, were you from them? Um, and, and what was the focal length? I was using a 7,200 with this guy. I can't remember the exact focal length. I mean, it was probably close. I'm sure it was pretty close to 200, Yeah. but I was, gosh, I don't know, maybe 40 or 50 yards away. Okay. 30 yeah. to 40, maybe. This is, is technically beautiful. I, I love all the, the context you were able to capture without distracting from the focus. Mm-hmm. That's, that's yeah. terrific. Yeah. I think this was one of those, I mean, I don't want to say lucky cause it was just like, I mean, there's a lot of things that lead up to being in the right place at the right time. But it, to me, it was one of those where I looked through them. I was like, Oh, I got one I actually like from that. That's cool. So, Hey, preparation and opportunity. Exactly. Okay. So this is one of the, this is one of the ones that I inter- interacted with early on when I was, when I came across this project, I believe on your Instagram mm-hmm. feed. And this photo is so incredibly wonderful. Um, there's, there is a lot of context. There is a ton, a ton of context. And it's hard when you, the more context you add, the more stuff you got to deal with in a photo and and you managed Uh it well here, but we have, we have a very close wide angle shot of some cyclists whipping in really tight near Sam here, almost taking his head off. Uh, we have the arc to triumph behind them more lit up than the cyclists, which is quite interesting. We have a sun flare coming out from just the left of the arc to triumph. Very, very legendary feeling photo. In my opinion, to be honest, uh, you have these long shadows coming off the cyclists. They're in the shadow. Uh, once again, I think the, just like in the first photo where you sort of saturated the entire photo in the silhouetted orangeness. And this one, it's kind of the same, but a little bit different where uh-huh. the, the cyclists are in the shadow, which takes a little bit of emphasis off of them in the hierarchy of the photo. Uh, you know, if, if, if the guy right up on us was beautifully lit from the front, he would obviously take over the entire frame from a, you know, an emphasis standpoint. But the brightest thing in the photo is actually the Arc de Triumph in the background, which I think is an interesting, we'll call it a choice, interesting choice you made there. And, uh, and so you have this wonderful interplay between France and these cyclists. And I think it's well done. So what were you, what were you, uh, what were the circumstances of this photo? So this photo is kind of, you talk to sports photographers and a lot, like you think of kind of iconic places to take a photo and this is definitely one of them like last stage right from the arctic triumph right right where they so they do a loop around the arctic triumph and this is them coming back towards um towards the finish line Mm -hmm. and um i was talking to a lot of people before the shot and uh, like people were asking me where i was going to go on the last day and that kind of stuff and i told them where and they're like oh that's kind of that's kind of cliche or that's been done a thousand times or that kind of stuff and i agree with that but it's kind of it's kind of one of those things like if you like if you went to a queen concert in the 80s like you would want to hear the hits you know what i mean you don't want to hear the new stuff i, mean, well, I guess maybe with queen you would but like with like right. a lot of a lot of bands you want to you if, want if freddie mercury like came see, out with a new album right, that would be phenomenal right, right but you if you go to a band you like like you want to hear you want to hear their big hits you don't want to hear like the experimental stuff all the time it's good to sprinkle that stuff in for sure mm-hmm. but this being my first tour to France and me just, I, I didn't care really how cliche this shot was. Like it was something I really admired. 
this being my first cycling event, my first tour de France, I wanted to shoot this. And when I got to the spot, by no coincidence, like all the the media photographers and a lot a couple guys I respect, they were all either right there sitting right next to me or they were about they were heading their way behind me. So there's a reason why people come and take this photo. But uh <clears throat> so I knew this is where I wanted to set up and um it's actually I like the photo a lot because I like the sun flare, which worked out again. The the late start worked out perfectly in my favor because about 15 minutes after this, you can see the Arc de Triumphs um, kind of shadows on the other side of the cyclist, and pretty soon that shadow worked its way over to me. So this was like mm. this was like my their last time around where I maybe had an opportunity to shoot this. So that worked out nicely. And then <clears throat> this, they're they're kind of cutting through that light, and 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 sure. in the other circumstance they would be in the shadows. Everything. Yeah. yeah, and I had a, had a handful of those photos where they were in the shadows, and it it didn't have near the sex appeal in my opinion. Mm. So um, this sex is the one appeal. I uh, this is the one I thought was my favorite, and um, um, it's cool because so this gentleman with the yellow sunglasses and the maroon um, uh, kit, like kind of taken up, eating a lot of the frame in the front. His yeah. name is Drant, Tom, Drant Thomas, and he won the Tour de France last year. Wow! And he yeah he rides for Team Ineos, which if I were to compare that to a sports team here would be like the Patriots or yeah, probably the new England Patriots and for football. Um, they the have Patriots a are a big deal in sports ball. Unfortunately, unfortunately, unfortunately they are. I'm not a Patriots guy, but um, <laughs> I'm no, not so. an anybody guy. I don't know what the heck's going on. New England Patriots. Yeah, it's a football. That's baseball, NFL. right? <laughs> but no. So yeah, they have, they have like the biggest budget and they have, that like their their roster is compiled of amazing cyclists and he he was the guy who won it last year and he was actually favored to win it this year um and he he had a good year i mean he got he ended up getting second so he, he still had a great year but he didn't quite meet his expectations but this guy behind him in the all yellow which is the melojean he was the guy who won the tour de france this year so this was like his last lap on right in front of the Arctic triumph on, um, and he, he's from Columbia. He's 22 years old. Like it was a huge deal. Cause cycling is like cycling is gigantic in Columbia, but they have never had someone win the tour de France before. They've had a lot of really good cyclists, but for him to win it and him to win it at 22 was like the storyline of the tour de France. So him kind of being the right, right, more or less, right where I wanted him right in front of the Arctic triumph was kind of the main reason why I selected this photo to put on my website. Mm, I think that context makes the photo even more powerful. So you were mentioning that this is a, a this is sort of a, uh, it's a, it's a very common photo uh, in a sense. I think there are some photos that are common because they're gimmicky and there are some photos that are common because they're strong. And I think this is one of the strong ones. So, uh, and also quick, quick, uh, love for the edges because I pay close attention to the edges of my frame. And I can, I think you do too, from everything I've ever seen of your work. Um, the way that the cyclist in the very front with the CCC on his leg is going into the edge of the frame where cutting off the front of his face and the front of his arms and everything, I think is just glorious. Like it could have easily been something that was distracting in this case, but it's it's like it's like he's going 
It's like there's more cyclists in front and more cyclists in back, uh, even if it yeah. wasn't. But it gives this feeling that there's an endless stream of cyclists flying yeah. by. I and I definitely wanted to have that feeling in this photo. And it's also, I also like it too, because like you said, I, I kind of like that you can't see his face, so it doesn't take away from the other stuff. And I also like as well that the, f the buildings on the other side of his body kind of left a little bit to, do, to be desired and they didn't add much anything really to the skyline. So it's kind of mm -hmm. nice that he's, he's more or less kind of a filler piece for that kind of stuff too. So isn't it nice when somebody perfectly blocks a traffic <laughs> right. cone? Right. Yeah. For every hundred <laughs> times, for every hundred times it works the other way. It works. It's nice when you get that one to work in your favor. Right. So you were, you look pretty low on this one. I was and, very low. And you shot with a wide angle lens, I would imagine. Uh, um, 60 to 35. Yep. Okay. 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 And I assume that you framed up your shot with the Arc de Triumph on the left-hand side and then let them ride into the frame. Exactly. Ah, okay, very good. I like it. You can you can tell because you can always tell when somebody is thoughtful about their framing and then waits for serendipity, what is it, the decisive mm -hmm. moment. Because, right. because you can see how beautifully framed up the background is, whereas if you just, if it was out of the seat of your pants Every now and then you'll nail that one, but more times mm -hmm. than not, the background's gonna it's gonna be cut off in some weird right. way. So I think so that, you, that was kind of my, my three things for this photo. I guess maybe four. One was I wanted, like you mentioned, the 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 guy in the yellow. It's nice to have him there because it it kind of shows okay this endless stream of cyclists and there's people in front and it's there's more the the people in the front and the back show okay there's more going on in this moment than what you're seeing in the photo, which is nice. Number yeah. two was I did under no circumstances did I want to cut off the top of the Arc de Triumph and it had to all be in there. So that was number oh, two. Heavens. Could you, the French it, president would give you a phone call. For huh, sure. I did it in a couple of them and I almost just like sat my camera down and walked away. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, number three, I, I really disgraced liked, the French nation. Yeah, right. Uh, number three, I liked, uh, and I really like, I, to me, the lens, like the, the light flare could not have looked prettier. Like the lighting was perfect for that. So mm -hmm. I wanted yeah. for sure to have an F-stop that allowed that. <clears throat> and then number four, some kind of, s some cyclist that was in focus and it was just kind of icing on the cake that I got, uh, the guy who ended up later on about 20 minutes later went in the whole race. So it worked out good. Glorious. Fantastic photo. Let's see here. All right, let's uh, let's stop on this one really quick. We have a really tight shot of mm -hmm. a guy who looks like he just d achieved something wonderful with hundreds of people around him with cameras, uh, a man behind him reaching his arm through and touching mm -hmm. his shoulder. He looks like he he has the, the the main character in this photo looks like he has an expression of pure joy but also relief. And then on the bottom left hand corner coming in from the corner in a, in a really aesthetically interesting fashion. We have another photographer with his camera, his face and his lens shooting in. So what was going on with this photo? How did it work out? Yeah. So any of these guys that you see that look like relieved and happy and it's not Egan Bernal, who's the, the guy who won yellow, generally it's going to be right after someone had won a stage. Hmm. Uh, so the guy, his name's Daryl Impey. He's from South Africa and, uh, I like this photo because, I mean, obviously from the emotional standpoint, but he had a, he had a quote after the race where, um, so he ended up 
cycling away. There's there's a way. So you have the sprinters, and then you have the GC, the general classification guys, and you have climbers who win the mountain stages. But then you have guys who are called breakaway specialists who, like, what they'll do is halfway through a race or at the start of a race or something, they'll ride away from the peloton. And what they try to do is they ride away. They try to gain, like, 5, 10, 15 minutes, if they're lucky, ahead of the peloton and then they just try to maintain that distance and then win that stage and that's what this guy did on this day um and he had a quote that said um something like like we were riding hard all day we broke away early and with 40 kilometers to go i started to believe that i actually could win and then he was like i'm, I'm so glad i won but still it hurts so much and i don't know why but i thought like that was such a cool quote because it's like, yeah, I just this is one of the like biggest moments of my entire life, and I just want a Tour de France stage, but I can't get the pain that I experience and maybe still am currently experiencing out of my head, mm. even though I just won like a Tour de France stage. So, wow. I don't know. To me, that's that that kind of like encapsulates a lot of what these guys go through. So I, I like that portion of it. And then, so the image we touched on. So I said Above, relief. It's it more the, like actual pain. Yeah, Victory somewhere and between pain. relief and pain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so I like this portrait because it's kind of – it's a little bit different than the other portraits that are super tight. Where you, I, I like having some photos where you can't see other media people and other photographers, and I like some where you can't. So Because mm-hmm. to me, like at times it's good to have him out of there, but it's also nice too because it shows, okay, this is a big deal. There's other people around. He's like, it's very clear. He's the subject of everyone's interest. Even like this guy in the fedora with like the, the Drew Carey glasses in the back. Like you can tell he's like, man, I'm trying to get up there. I want to, I want to get his picture too. Like I wish I was up there. Like even that kind of stuff. It's like, I like, I like those components to a photo like this. Cause it's, a, it's, it's a portrait, but it, it tells more than just him. I feel like a little bit. Right. It's a, a very solid environmental portrait. Fantastic. Let's see here. Oh man, it's hard to skip any of these. Oh, let's get <clears> to <throat> that one in a second. Hold on. Let's see. All right. First off, we'll touch on this one. A very tight photo. Uh, we have some interesting sub framing of, I assume other people you're shooting through those other people, very tight lens almost no context other than the main subjects of the photo, which are two people hugging very warm mm-hmm. embrace between the two yep. uh, wearing yellow. So I assume that that is the yellow we've been seeing throughout this process. And it's just such a tight, intimate shot, even though you seem to be quite, quite far away with a long focal length, it's such a tight, intimate shot. And it looks like you, you looked into a crowd and zeroed in on a very specific moment that was happening that was very powerful. So what was happening? Yeah, that's there? exactly right. So yeah, I shot this with a uh, 50 millimeter, I believe, and uh, uh, this was right after Egan Bernal Bernal had won in Paris and had solidified like being the first Colombian winner and youngest winner in the Tour de France history in like 105 years. So this was one of those tons of people around him. I was just letting the the shutter fly and. I was hoping I could get something good. And I, this was one of my, I think, favorite photos from the tour. Very good. Very lovely. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I was so, happy with it. Next, we have uh, a photo of a cyclist in the middle of a race, perhaps. Maybe you're wrong. Uh, with, we have a crowd behind him. Semi-tight shot, but there's still a good bit of context around him. 
but the most interesting thing about the photo is the sheer number of flesh wounds he has on his body. He has a pretty serious looking set of gashes below his left eye. He has a glove that has been ripped open and his fingers have pretty serious gashes on them too. And then on his knee, a giant gash. So that's going to take a little bit of a little bit of laying down and watching Netflix and recovering. Um, so what, or probably some, uh, what do you put on wounds? Uh, some, some Orgel? No, not Orgel. Neosporin. Neosporin. There it is. Orgel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this, this guy looks pretty banged up. And what was the story behind this photo? Very yeah. Powerful. So they're, Very well done, by the yeah. way. Thank you. There was um, only four Americans riding in this year's Tour de France. This was one of them. His name's TJ Van Garderen. Um, and he actually rides for one of two. There's only two American teams in the Tour de France. And he rides for EF Education First. Uh, he he had the misfortune of crashing okay. like eight kilometers into the longest stage of this year's Tour de France, which is like 240 kilometers. And he ended up riding through the whole thing, wow. like looking way worse initially than he looked like this, but this was right after he finished. Um, and he actually ended up abandoning the race the next morning. And he, this, so this was his last stage, but yeah, I just caught him after, after he finished and uh, I was lucky to have, so I, I, I like only shoot on manual. I don't, I don't really like shooting on anything else than that. So Mm -hmm. I just, when I saw him, I knew in my head what my F stop and what my shutter speed, you know, I knew what my ISO and my F stop were at the time. So I just changed my shutter speed, like without even looking at my camera, pulled out my camera. I was like, Oh, I hope this looks right. And I put my shutter speed, I lowered it by two stops, took a few more photos, raised it by two stops, took a few more photos just to get like hopefully a good exposure. And I got one I liked. And to me, like, again, it kind of shows like how tough these guys are. And I, I like taking it simply. I, li- I like having it on there simply for the fact that he's an American. And I don't know. I, I thought it was a cool photo. I love it's, it's, oh, it's funny. Go ahead. It's funny. If you go to this team's Instagram account, they have like something like three or 400,000 followers and they, they do a little video for him when he uh, like announces that he's leaving the race after the stage and like the opening, uh, the opening scene is like him cycling right here and the opening scene, I run right through it. So you can see like, I don't know. It's like, it's basically him and me in this guy's like opening scene on their Instagram video of like him announcing. (laughs) Fantastic. (laughs) So I thought that was funny. Beautiful. Beautiful. Uh, so, uh, what was I going to say about this photo? Um, oh yeah. The expression on his face. I think is particularly interesting. It's this stoic determination. It's like I'm bleeding out of my face, but it's not like. It's, I don't know. It, there's just a, a level. He's of, almost. He's almost. He's almost acting like, like yeah, I'm bleeding, but like I mean, it is what it is, and it, right. Like I'm. I'm fine, or I'm not fine. I know I'm not fine, but like I'm. I'm go. Like I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, it's, I'm not going to stop even though I'm, I'm bleeding. I, I don't know. I, I just think the, the, in all of these photos, you capture such a plethora of expressions and one would think that you could capture, you know, two or three expressions on an athlete's face, but mm-hmm. there, 
there's so much diversity that can happen there. And this one is, is very different than even a face another cyclist would make in the same situation. Uh, but then in this case, it's just sheer determination and I got work to do. That's, that's what, yeah. that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head. Oh, I just noticed his shirt is ripped up too, man. Mm-hmm. It's like he got attacked by a bear. Jesus. Yeah. These guys, I mean, those, these guys wear skin suits. So when they crash and they crash a lot, they, they pay for it for sure. I wonder if that when they're riding, they, if they hurt themselves, they just go, Oh, uh, I'll deal with that later. I don't know what just happened, but I'll deal. With that later. Yeah. I think, I think there's so much adrenaline and like, they're just kind of trained to suffer right through it that they, unless it's like the only time they, they think about it is when it's bad enough to where they can't finish the race. That's the only time they really think about it until after the fact. Truly inspiring. Okay. Um, so let's talk about this one really quick. We have a rather wide shot taken from a high angle. We have a single cyclist coming by in front of a crowd. In the background, we have a beautiful vista of mountains, very steep mountains going down into a canyon, uh, lots of roads and towns scattered about. Uh, well, for, first off, where was this taken at? It was taken on the Col de Tourmalet, which is one of the most iconic um climbs in Tour de France history they they use it a ton for okay. like throughout the years um it's in the Pyrenees I think it was stage 16 and yeah it was it was it was um the closest town was like it was like two or four kilometers away and our the car that I was in couldn't go to the top and I was just kind of thinking to myself why well, I, I didn't really fly across the world and reach out to all those people in January just to like sit at the bottom and wait for him to come down. So I ended up mm-hmm. hiking up the, the mountain and it was not the most hike, most fun hike I've ever had, but it was definitely worth it. Cause it was, it was beautiful at the top. And like, these were the, I, I talked about the, the photos I had in my head that I wanted to take. And this definitely kind of goes along with that theme. And I'm glad I did it. Cause I'm really, I was really happy with this photo and the guy in the photo is the same guy who had the stitches above his eye in the second photo we discussed. Okay. Uh, yeah. Jakob Fuglesong. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I like, he was right there with the guys who pulled away at the very end. There was like a group of five or six of them, all of whom were contenders to win the tour de France. And he was with them right up until the end. So this road behind him, it goes to its right and it goes up like a 23% incline. Hmm. And then he circles back around, which I don't know. Like, I didn't really have an appreciation for, like, percentage grades and all that stuff. But then once I was kind of familiar with it, like, 24%, I wish we were doing video for this podcast. Because it's like, a, like it is, like, even walking something like that is pretty pretty difficult to do, let, let alone, yeah, extremely dramatic. And these guys, are, these guys are pounding on their bikes for five hours before they hit an incline like that. And they're going 30 miles up to that point. So he, he was right there neck and neck with them. And then he, uh, they pulled away from him for a little bit, which kind of sunk, but I guess maybe for the intensive purposes of this photo, it kind of helped a little bit. Cause I like that he's kind of all alone by himself just for a split second. So that road behind him is where he's going to be in a second. That's no, that's where he came from. That's where he came from. Oh, yep. I see. Yep. I see. I see. Yep. Very fantastic. Okay. So yeah. So once again, you were able to incorporate some context with the extra things in the, the frame. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Um, yeah. I was going to ask you 
how you achieved such a high angle because you're quite high above the road that he's on. So you yeah. went for a nice little hike. I did, yeah. And um, the yeah, the incline stunk for getting to my final destination, but it, it helped just because I was so much higher than his where he was cycling. So I mean, it helped in that sense. So what's so tricky guess, about photos like this where you have to put in a little bit of work for them is you don't know if they're gonna work like you can't exactly. see you can't see what the view is going to be from the top specifically and if all the elements right. are going to align so you're you're taking a risk climbing you know going over here instead of where you currently are you could stay exactly. there and take the safe photo or you could go up there and take the possibly phenomenal photo or the possibly horrifically horrible photo yeah right and there was once i got up there i knew i was going to probably get a handful of good photos because I guess when I, once I got to the top, the toughest part of the day was determining where I was going to shoot because there was a handful of good spots scattered throughout the area. There was like some at the finish, which I was well, only about 50 meters from. There was some kind of behind him that I could have shot a different way, but it just felt like up to this point, I didn't have, I didn't have one that kind of showed the sheer size of like the mountains or like what it is these guys go through. And, and it felt mm -hmm. like, this location and this spot felt like a good place to do that. So I just opted for that. It shows the dynamic nature of your abilities with your photos, because this is one of the few ones that, um, from what I can tell are in the project where you have a single cyclist wide angle, uh, with a beautiful mountain scape in the back, a beautiful landscape in the background. Most of them feel quite different as we've looked through these photos so far. We have an extremely tight portrait. We have, we have quite a few extremely tight portraits. Mm -hmm. and we have some some wider angles of a lot of cyclists. Then we have a, a rather far away angle of a, a lot of activity going on with that one we looked at that was black and white with the with the guy tucking his arms in uh, with the with the expression of victory. V very different than this photo with this guy in the mountains. And I think that that is very inspiring and interesting to yeah. see how you're able to do that in your project. So well done. That was, that was definitely one of my goals or one of my main goals. So I'm happy to say that. Okay. We have another one taken of a, uh, looks like we're at some sort of, is this a checkpoint or a victory area? Yeah. So like I said, as far as the Tour de France itself goes, there's a lot, each guy is going for, they have different accomplishments. And one of the accomplishments is they there's four different jerseys and there's the the yellow jersey for the general classification leader there's a green jersey for the points and that's who's placing the highest throughout the stages there's a white jersey for the best youngest rider and then there's a polka dot jersey and that's what these hats and their shirts and mm. what the top of it's from uh and the polka dot jersey is for the best climber whoever has like the most climbing points so they what these these little checkpoints are are for they're always at the top of mountains and whoever you always have to work for the polka dots <laughs> whoever uh whoever finishes first at these checkpoints then gets points that go towards that jersey so yeah because this didn't look like it was in the middle of paris <laughs> this looks like right, it, we're, we're in right. we're in some small towns with some farms and rolling hills so yeah. it's a it's a very energetic scene we have the people with the polka dot hats in the foreground, one guy holding his phone out. We have people on the other side of the road uh, cheering the people on as they come through. Beautiful clouds in the background and rolling farm hills, trees and such. Beautiful mm -hmm. landscape. Uh, probably a beautiful place to hang out. 
Uh, yeah, and then, really we, cool. then we have the cyclist coming through with serious speed, and that speed is accentuated by the motion blur that you're able to capture with the cyclist closest to us being just a, a, just a, a blur. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's very, very uh, lack of detail there, but in a beautiful way. And I'm curious how you captured this. Like, what was your shutter speed at? I think 140th or 160th of a second. Okay. Uh, so, the, so these guys actually weren't really Handheld? moving that fast right here just because, like I said, so it, it doesn't look that steep from the backdrop, and that was kind of – I like this photo. I'm happy with it, but I, that was one thing I didn't necessarily accomplish with this one was show how high up we were because it was it, – we the plateau we were on was kind of wide, so it, it didn't have that kind of sheer incline that some of the other photos have, but it was so cool. And But that's the reason why <clears throat> I was – that's a lot of blur maybe for like one sixtieth of a second, but they, they were, um, or I guess they were starting to pick up speed after the incline. They're so also that's... quite close to you. It seems like, which probably yeah, helped yep. along. yeah, yeah, for sure. And I love how there's a gradient of blurriness from the guy on the left closest to us to the people in the back on the right, right. side of the right. frame. And I think it helps the photo out a lot because if it was just, you know, three guys that are dramatically blurred, going by it and it it just wouldn't be as strong but in this mm-hmm. case you you really feel a sense of the acceleration of motion as they're coming close to you yeah i again this kind of falls in line with okay what what wide range of images do i want i wanted something where the landscape was more or less completely in focus and the fans were i'd say the fans were like 80 85 percent focused and then i just kind of wanted like from a jumbled mess to okay, those guys in the back are still blurry, but it's very, or they're, they're not super blurry, but it's clear they're moving. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, there was definitely, I had quite a, I, I got to this spot like an hour and 20 minutes before they came by. So I, I had some time to pick out my spot and think about exactly what it is I wanted. And I, I was pretty happy with how it turned out. Like the, this, the guy who's very blurry wearing the blue in the front, he was close enough to where I could, I could have probably reached out and touched him. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that 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 speaks to what I was saying a second ago. That you being so close makes the blur accentuate mm-hmm. itself quite dramatically. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really love it. The tones on the photo, the color tones, they have this very sort of uh, not very, but a little bit warm filmic quality to them. And this yeah. is something that I see throughout all of your photos to some degree, and specifically in this project. In a, in a, uh, it presents itself in an interesting way. Uh, I assume you're going into Lightroom. Are you? Do you use presets when you when you? I do. Yeah. Okay. Yep. They're they're presets. That's kind of sort of bang my head against the wall for like uh, a handful of years, and then I kind of landed on something that I sort of liked, and that's what I apply to pretty much everything I everything you see. We have followed parallel paths because I too have banged my head against the wall trying <laughs> to get my colors to look right, and um, it's like that you have to make decisions when it comes to color tones how important are the color tones to your photo and what do you want the expression to be and how important is it that it meets this certain set of criteria should you just kind of like go to a website and say these people have such incredible tones i'd love to imply apply them to my photos and you have to wrestle with that it's like is that okay uh, but I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. The story is the most important part, and this is just a way of telling the story. I mean, you bought a mm-hmm. camera from a company 
to take your photos. You didn't build your own camera. Right. <laughs> so it it depends yeah. it depends on what level of ownership you want to have over your colors, I suppose. But I think that's a an interesting conversation to have. Yeah, for sure. But it's it, it's quite fantastic, uh, and, and that's one of the things that drew me to your photos. Uh, I think separates them from a lot of photos that have this same kind of photojournalistic documentary quality to them is you do pay some attention to making the tones really make the photos come alive. Mm-hmm. And I, I find that to be interesting. So I think this is, you know, we could, we could talk about all of these photos. There's a lot more that, that we could go through and I'll link below to all of them. Uh, is there anything yeah. before we wrap this up, any photo that you wanted to specifically touch on? Um, it's hard not to talk about them all. They're so great. Yeah. So I'm kind of giving long winded answers here, so we could probably do this. This podcast to turn into six hours if we, and we could pull a Joe Rogan <laughs> and do a three hour podcast. No, I think, uh, I think that we've kind of, a lot of these are probably be quite a bit of overlap to what we discussed up top. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think for the intents and purposes of what we set out to do, I think we accomplished it. Very good. Okay. Let me see if there's anything so. else I want to, take a peek at a guy stretching on a bus that's fantastic <laughs> yeah you, you you captured a lot of the behind the scenes stuff quite well too you know you get this guy washing a bike mm-hmm. um guy stretching on the bus this uh one cyclist is like kissing his kid i assume mm-hmm. yeah i actually so that guy same same techniques team. as we've seen throughout the project like you were saying but applied to different situations which i think is is wonderful um, yeah, no, yeah, for sure. I, uh, I was kind of thinking to me, if there was home run pictures to be taken or like, if I thought there was home run pictures to be taken, I would always try to do that. And, but at the same time I was trying to maybe kind of create a puzzle and I wasn't really sure the pieces that I needed to make next, but, and it kind of made sense to me when I would see them sort of. So that was kind of what I was going for. Mm-hmm. Awesome. You did a fantastic so- job. Very nice wide shot of uh, where's this at? What's this building? So, this is yeah, so that, immaculate. This is, this is um, actually in Brussels. So the Tour de France started in Brussels, Belgium, and this was kind of the like kickoff ceremony that took place right in this kind of city center area. Okay, okay, wow, that's a that's apartment goals for me. <laughs> I wouldn't want my inside the inside of it to look so uh, let's say beautifully aged. I would want, mm-hmm. I would go for a minimalist modern look, but on the outside, I could deal with that. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Tall it was, it was, yeah, it was really cool. Cool. All right. Well, I think so. this is a good spot to wrap it up. Um, I would put the, put the links below to Sam's site. I would, I would definitely encourage you to check out all of his work, uh, including the firefighters one, which we've covered in the past. And I will try to remember to link to that episode as well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but specifically his his project here, um, check it out and check out his Instagram. He's a very talented photographer. Thank you so much, Sam, for yeah, thank thank you, man, having we'll a conversation to, uh, with me on my birthday. Yeah, happy birthday, and thank you so uh, much. hopefully we can do this again soon. I dude, I would love to. That would be fantastic. Uh, I think there are many more projects we could tackle. I'm ready. To, I'm ready to do it. <laughs> All right, very good.